where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. We have um, three parables this morning. And I'm reminded any time we encounter the parables that there is a sense in which the parables of uh, Jesus are like jokes in that they can lose something in the explanation. If you've ever tried to explain a joke, you know what I mean, that sometimes the story itself holds the point. And they remind me of that too in the way that they are best approached with kind of a sense of levity sometimes. Parables remind us that not everything that's holy and true has to be serious and somber. And so while following Jesus is important, it is possible to do that joyfully. And we see that in the way that Jesus answers hard questions with these stories that open people up uh, in a different spirit, not just in their answer, but in the way that they are answered. Our, our parables begin, I'm, I'm juggling a few different Bibles here because I want to read one of these parables out of a story Bible. So our parables begin in chapter 15 of Luke. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. And Jesus, instead of answering this complaint, tells these three stories. And the first one he tells is the parable of the lost sheep. All sorts of people flocked to Jesus. Some followed God's ways and some did not. And Jesus treated everyone with kindness. Some of the teachers didn't like this. And so they complained, just look at him sitting down and eating with those people. I would never. Jesus heard their grumbling, and so he told them a story. Once there was a shepherd who had 100 sheep, including an old smelly ram who was always getting into trouble. One day the old ram wandered off, and the shepherd could have said, good riddance, there was nothing but a nuisance with that sheep. But he did not. Leaving the other 99 perfectly well-behaved sheep, he searched all night in the cold and the rain. At last, the shepherd found that old ram in a ditch. He was covered with mud, and boy, did he smell. But the shepherd didn't mind one bit. He put the ram on his shoulders and carried him all the way home singing. And then he called his friends and had a party. I have found the sheep that was lost, he shouted. It is the same in heaven. Jesus explained, the angels have a party every time someone who was lost 
comes back to God. Continuing in our reading, beginning now at verse 8, Jesus went on, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus gives us what is the longest of the parables that we have recorded. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And so the father divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered in all that he had, and he took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went, and he joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he would have gladly fed on the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him every, anything. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he arose and he went to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring us the fatted calf and kill it, and let's eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what this had meant. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come home safe and sound. But the brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, and he answered his father, These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a party. But when this son of yours came home, who has squandered your living with harlots, you killed for him the best calf. And the father said to him, Son, 
you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was right to make merry and to be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive, and is lost, but now is found. As we were chatting this morning uh, online, I asked people who were willing to share for some examples of the most precious things that they had lost, or just some precious things that they had lost. And some of the things that were shared were things like mothers, brothers, grandparents, pets, pictures that were lost in a fire, health, mobility, friends, which you can lose in many ways. And what I notice in this sharing is that while the range of things that we've lost varies, and the grief that we carry with that with might vary based on when we lost our people or our things, These things share the characteristic of being unique. It was our mother, our brother, our pictures. We tend to weigh the value of something based on how rare it is. Worth sometimes comes from scarcity, or it's scarcity in relationship to us. And that makes sense maybe um, in addition to the element of relationship that all of these things are laden with. It, It also makes sense to us because our economic system is based on that, right? We have this idea of supply and demand, and so the more sheep you have, the less you might care about losing one you might at least weigh out the options before you leave behind the other 99 to go find the one. The more dollars that you have, the less you care about losing a penny. And I know that we would all say that we value people, the people in our lives, but also all people. And yet we still tend to see ourselves through a competitive lens. We want to ask each other questions like, what do you do? What are you good at? How much money do you have? What good are you doing in the world? And so one thing that we see in these parables is that you don't have to stand out from the crowd to have value in the way that God is looking at things. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of God cares more about having all of the things in harmony than about having one prize-winning sheep. It reminds me of another wise saying that goes, comparison is the thief of joy. Last week we talked about repentance. And we talked about it with an eye to the question, are you living the life 
you mean to live? And this question carries over to these stories as well, because the parables of the lost things, which range from uh, animals to money to people, the parables of the lost things are parables about priorities. When we hear these stories, we might be prompted to ask the question, what are you willing to lavish your time on? We often say that a budget is a moral document, but so is a calendar. And another well-known quote reminds us, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And that might seem like the start to a motivational speech about productivity and doing everything you can, unless we turn it and we put it in light of these parables. Because to take the parables seriously would mean evaluating our calendars and our budgets by how much time and money we are wasting. The parables of the lost things were shocking in their wastefulness. There is the searching, for starters, leaving 99 sheep behind to fend for themselves, while you go off to find one reminds me of something that would be in a plot line of maybe an old I Love Lucy rerun. And the runaway son is a lost cause all the way around. And then throwing a party after finding one coin is bad money management. The party it's been noted, probably cost more than the coin the woman recovered. Which brings us right back to the shared ending of these parables, the celebration. Luke's gospel uses the image of a party as an analogy for this kingdom of God more than any other image. Not only is Jesus always talking about feasts and banquets, he is always eating with unexpected people. That's what gets him into trouble at the very beginning of uh, the parables he lays out. They are grumbling about who he is eating with. It's like everyone wants to be invited to the party, but they want to make sure that door closes behind them. The circle of God's grace extends exactly this far. And we might be tempted to say that too. We might be tempted to become gatekeepers of grace. And we do it when we do things like holding grudges or hanging on to bitterness. We do it when we attribute the worst motivations to someone instead of assuming that they are acting from a place of goodness. We do it when we keep track of the rights and wrongs in a relationship. And if you've ever been mired down in one of those traps, you know how it goes. You can become consumed by the judgment and the fear. And like the older son, you can become so consumed by the judgment that you miss out on the party. 
Grace in these parables is a celebration. And the ones in danger of missing out aren't the sinners. They'll come home. The ones in danger of missing out are the gatekeepers. In Luke, these parables are framed in light of repentance. But in keeping with the idea of parables, which were meant to prompt questions as much as to give answers, I think it's fair to play around with this idea of repentance a little bit. And we might start by noticing who exactly is repenting. Who exactly turns around in these parables? I appreciate Reverend Joanna Harder's playful take on the first two of the stories, which she put in a poem like this. This guy's a little odd, don't you think? The shepherd who told the whole town, I found my lost sheep, which is to say, I lost a sheep, and then to say, I left 99 of my sheep to fend for themselves which is to say, nobody is ever going to hire that guy to watch their sheep again. Put that way, the one in need of repentance is the one in charge. And he seeks it out, he turns around, not by quietly sneaking that sheep back into the pen and hoping no one notices it was missing in the first place, but by throwing a party, where he admits his mistake and he celebrates that it has been made right. Just as the sheep wasn't safe out in the world on its own, the shepherd needed to be in community. The shepherd needed to be seen and known in their fullness. As a person who maybe was a bit careless, but also as a person who was tenacious and loving. And in that setting, the shepherd got to see his gifts celebrated more than the failures. When we talked last week about repentance and truth-telling, we led up to this point where we are reminded in these stories that joy is also a form of truth-telling. People grumbled when Jesus ate with sinners because they thought that the pressing question was who belongs. And in return, Jesus didn't answer that question. He asked a new question. Who matters? And the answer in this vision that is laid out for us is, of course, everybody. When we are lost, God doesn't half-heartedly look for us the way that a bored adult dragged along to an Easter egg hunt might half-heartedly look for a colorful egg. God joyfully looks for us, like a toddler who is excited to find every last colorful bit of treasure. And so we aren't just allowed to be in God's presence. We are desperately, eagerly, anxiously, excitedly invited to return there. And that is true not just in big moments in our life, but day after day, second by second. 
And so the parable of the lost things is good for us when we are the ones who are lost. But it is also good for us when we are the ones who never strayed. Because in the parable, we are reminded that we are not complete without each other. You only search for the one thing and leave more at home when you recognize that the whole is more important than each individual. No one person embodies the kingdom of God alone. It's not found in a partial flock of sheep or a good investment or even in staying home and doing everything right. The kingdom of God is found when we joyfully lift each other up and walk each other home. And I know we don't always get this right, at least I don't always get it right. But I do think that one place where we get to practice this is at the communion table. The party table, we might call it. The place where everyone is welcome. And so as we turn to this time of communion, I invite you to continue to hold the griefs for the things that you have lost and the joys for the things that have been found, but also to embrace this spirit of partying together, that we are all held in God's arms and that nothing is ever truly lost.